This episode of the Adventure Jogger podcast brought to you by Dan Perrin, just Adam, just Dean, Joe Kern, all of our Patreon supporters, and of course you. Yes, you, the listener. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Andrew, welcome to The Adventure Jogger, man. How are you? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. You are the running weatherman. You, you have the best hair in ultra running. And I don't know if someone does that for you every morning, but I think it's safe to say, as far as the East Coast is concerned, you have the best hair in the business. For a receding hairline, I take that as a huge compliment. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in Columbus, Ohio. You're, you're, the, you're a meteorologist on ABC6 out there in Columbus. I do want to talk about that because I think that is so interesting and, and so many people wonder what, goes into that uh life but first this is a running podcast people want to know how how you got into the the world of ultra running how did you do it andrew well i mean I used to run in high school a little bit my friend talked me into cross country did that and track i was faster than some of the sprinters but nobody wanted to do the distance so i was forced <laughs> into the distance side of things coach looked at you and said andrew listen you are fast but we need somebody to run the distance races. It's exactly true. I, I mean, I did that in high school and then uh, I almost didn't graduate high school because, or at least walk at graduation because of running. Really? I We had, uh, was it regionals or districts? And I knew I wasn't moving on. I was in the mile. I was up against the fastest people in the state of Ohio. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm just gonna have fun. So I sprinted the first lap as <laughs> fast as I could. I'm in first place. Everyone passes me. And I kept telling them, I'm like, you know what? You're lowering your cholesterol by passing me. <laughs> and then at the very end, I tell all my friends in the stands, because this was at University of Dayton on their track. And I yeah. like, watch for the end, watch for the end. And I turn around and I run backwards across the finish line. <laughs> I got in so much trouble. But I was also on the uh, I was also on the relay team for the four by four, I think. And the coach told me, he's like, you need to come in a little bit early. We're going to work on your handoff. And then he's like, let's go over to the, the building because the track was across the road. Yeah. So we walk over there and we go into the principal's office and the athletic director's there. And <laughs> he's like, you know, that there were some people from the Board of Education at that race. Oh, no. right?" <laughs> So I got in a little bit of trouble for that. And that's like the athletic director's like, you know, when you ran across that finish line and our cannon was across your chest and I wanted to stop him, I didn't. And I don't know, I've, I've never told anybody this uh, other than a couple of friends. I was like, if he would have come to any of the track meets, he would know that our school's name was not on the chest. It was the mascot. We were, it said Trojan across our chest. <laughs> So anyway, I got in some trouble and they said that they were having an, an, an executive meeting to talk about whether I was allowed to walk. They did let me walk. So, oh, my started, God. They had a meeting. People yes. had to rearrange their schedules to go sit down in a room to, to see if they would allow you to walk at your graduation. And I had long flowing hair then, too. It like came down <laughs> almost to my shoulders. So a lot different than now because I keep it a lot trimmed. But yes, they had a meeting. I was allowed to walk. So that's how I initially got into running. And then I college, you know, just kind of enjoyed college yeah. life. And then I had my daughter who's now eight years old, but I remember when she was one, she was sitting on my lap and I was just recording a video with her and I could just hear myself breathing. Yeah. And it was just a video with me and her. I'm like, whoa, I let her, I really let, I really let this get away and out of hand. So, um, I signed up for a half marathon. Didn't tell anybody at first. I was like, I'm just going to do it because otherwise I just couldn't get the motivation. Yeah. I would try to go out and do like a mile here or whatever, but it just, I couldn't, I couldn't get a mile. Yeah. So, I was like, I'm going to sign up for this half marathon because then I have to train. Like I put money down, money's on the line. Mm -hmm. And so I did that and the it was the Columbus half marathon. And I remember there's a the halfway point. You turn and you go to the finish line about quarter of a mile or you just keep going straight. And I'm like, who in the world is going to keep going <laughs> when the finish line's right here? <laughs> But then I was hooked, signed up for uh, the inaugural Youngstown Marathon, and then a buddy of mine 
uh, was doing the Mohican 100. And so it's trail race. Uh, and so I was like, well, I'll sign up for the marathon. I'll do that. And as soon as I did that, I was like, oh my God, the world of mm-hmm. trails. Yeah. I was like, this is where it's at. So I've been doing trails ever since for the last, I don't know, six or seven years. And I just, I love it. And I road run out of necessity to yeah. get the training miles in during the week. But anytime I have the opportunity, I'm out on the trails. And that's the reality for a lot of us. I, I'm always jealous of the people that have trailheads in their backyard or can hop in the car and and within five minutes or 10 minutes get to a great trail because a lot of us don't have that opportunity. You know, you live in Columbus. I live in Clarksville. You know, there's not a whole lot of trails in Clarksville. I think if you took all the trails we have in, in our town and you and you stretch them as long as you could you could get eight miles and so if you want to get some major distance in town on trails you're gonna have to do loop after loop after loop after loop after loop and who wants to do that so yeah i think it's like we road run out of necessity because that's available outside our front door when you know so if you don't if you've got trails outside your front door i don't ever want to hear you complain I don't ever want to hear like, oh, man, I same trails because a lot of us every day are running on the side of the road because that's how we get our distance in. Yeah, we have a small park in the neighborhood and it has a quarter of a mile of trails <laughs> and I've gotten it up to, I think, a 10K. Like I've looped it enough <laughs> to do six miles on a quarter loop. Like it was rough, but it, it is possible. And all your neighbors are like the weatherman's lost his mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I, I work 2 a.m. to 10 a.m. So there's sometimes where I'll wake up, typically I wake up at 1 a.m., but I'll wake up at midnight sometimes and then go run before work. And at that point, I'm dodging people coming home from the bar yeah. versus, I mean, just people out on a normal run. You know, for, for 20 years of my career, I did morning radio, which puts me on a very similar schedule to what you have now, where I would get to work at like 2.30, 3 o'clock, and I was usually gone by 11 or 12. Um, but I'll tell you what, I loved that schedule when it comes to training because do you leave work and you can go hit the trails or hit your favorite road spot, nobody's there. And it's great because, you know, my kids were in school. And so when I was doing morning radio, I would just finish my work day. I could run, I could run 10 or 15 miles before the kids would get home from school. And it was See, like, I'm almost this is great. I'm almost there. My youngest is in preschool, so he's done it. I get off work at 10 a.m. He gets off, uh, gets out of preschool at 1130. So sometimes I'll run to preschool. My wife does real estate appraisal. She also went to school for meteorology. She does real estate appraisal now. So I'll run five miles to preschool. She'll pick us both up. But once he's in kindergarten next year, that's 20 hours a week. I was like, I can get my long run done Mm -hmm. on a Friday. Absolutely. Have the weekend for family time. You are ready. Get ready. Because when your son goes to school, you are going to have the best training scenario of your life. You are going to be the fastest you've ever been. You are going to be the most in shape you've ever been. You are get ready because you're going to start crushing some races. I'm going to start doing those sprints again. <laughs> yeah, just don't run backwards this time. Don't right. run backwards across the finish line. We don't need there to be a reconvening of that special executive council that decided whether or not you could run. <laughs> they actually had me back at um, my high school this summer to do the commencement speech. No. And, and I was wondering, I was like, I wonder who from the board is still here. <laughs> I didn't ask. I really, really, really wanted to. I'd be like, you guys remember when you almost didn't let me walk? Did you sit up there and go like, kids, listen, you can achieve anything. And you know what? Don't let your mistakes define you. Here I am, a successful meteorologist on ABC6 on your side. And let me tell you, I almost didn't walk at graduation because I did a stupid stunt at a race. <laughs> no, I didn't bring it up. I really should have. I wanted to. You're probably a legend. They're probably like people talk about you still to this day. Like, you know, uh, you know, Andrew Buck Michael from uh, from the Channel Six. He almost didn't get to graduate because he walked backwards and flipped. And, and but of course, the the stories become exaggerated, right? Like you walked backwards and flipped everybody off as you were crossing the finish line. As the legend grows, one of the officials he stopped me. He was like, "Are you a senior?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he was like, "Well, I would disqualify you, but you're already in last place." And I was like, "Could be a wait." <laughs> He's like, it'd be a waste of my time. I was like, well, you came over and told me this, so it already wasted some of your time. You're already in last place. (laughs) 
So I could have been DQ'd. Man, man. I mean, I should have. It was unsportsmanlike, but that's what you get for the runner-up for the class clown. Well, you know, we all do stupid things. I've said it on a, on podcasts before. If you've never done something stupid in your life, you're a liar. Because we all, you thought, like at the time, you thought, here we go. I'm going out with the bang, baby. Buck's going out with the bang. Only to realize that uh, you almost didn't get to walk graduation. <laughs> That's probably a first for your podcast. I think so. I, I think Which I mean you have I mean the people you've been getting on here have been phenomenal, Ryan, on this Thank podcast. You. I mean, I'm a nobody compared to some of these other people. You got like race director of hard rock, you got Courtney DeWalter. I mean other than Jim Walmsley, maybe uh, Goggins and who else? Jurek. I mean, yeah, you you have the heaviest hitters of anybody I know on on podcast. Not without trying. I've tried to get all of those people on, and you know what really gets me about Goggins is I we have a mutual friend. I I, I am very close with someone he mentions and talks about in his last book, okay. and I still can't. I've played that card. Like, listen. We're we're all together here. Why don't you, you know, come on and, and on the podcast? I can't get through his agent because his agent's like he's not doing any interviews. Bull crap! He's not doing any interviews. I just saw him. Like, like what are you talking about? <laughs> so, Ryan's like, I'm trying to stay as hard as best as possible. Exactly. Is he has he heard that I'm soft? Did he hear that I made fun of him for the whole like? There was, <laughs> I, I was I was uh, I was pacing a good friend of mine um, at at uh, Cruel Jewel during a section and he was just having a a rough time and so i started doing my goggins impression and he just started laughing and so there was probably a good five mile section of just me doing goggins and he was just laughing and getting his mind off of that so (laughs) maybe you heard about that (laughs) maybe you did (laughs) but no it's been fun i it's it's been fun and anytime i still get super giddy when anybody that i have on my bucket list um says yes so yeah I've, I've been i've been really blessed this year yeah it's been a fun to watch or listen i guess not watch but i mean listen i'm used to tv obviously yeah but yeah i mean listening along it's been it's been so much fun and i'm always blown away who you have lined up next because i'm always interested even if it's like not necessarily like we were talking about the heavy hitters but you do a great job of bringing out that story from the middle of the pack, the back of the pack runners, because they're out there on the course longer. They've got more stories to tell as long as you can get them to share that story. Well, it's true. And, and I think that you know, kind of my mantra for the for the podcast is every runner has a story. And I truly believe that. And I'm always well, I used to be surprised. I'm not surprised anymore when I get a great story from someone no one's ever heard of, you know, because I find that a lot of times nine times out of ten. The really fast elite people, like running is their whole life, and they have a brand image to maintain, right? So they they may be hesitant to share certain things. I, that's not the case with Courtney. She was very open, very willing to share. But a lot of people have to kind of walk that line, right? Where the, the mother of three that's, you know, trying to run her first hundred and has to train you know, the oddest times of the day and work everything into their life. Sometimes they have stories that are just fantastic. And it's so funny because 99 times out of 100, I have a general idea that someone's going to have a great story, but I don't know. Like, maybe they're nervous. Maybe they won't be able to, maybe they won't open up. Maybe they'll give me one word answers. But I'm like, I usually leave podcasts going like, well, I wasn't expecting it to go that good. Like, wow, holy cow, that was amazing. Yeah, and um, it's been like I said, it's been great to listen and just whoever's passing these along to you. I mean, they've been doing a great job, like lining them up for you. Which hopefully you're getting a lot of good feedback and like, hey, you need to get this person on, like Nettie, uh, Aneta, yes, yes. who's the race director here in Ohio. Mm-hmm. I've run a couple of her races, and she is phenomenal. Yes, and I actually asked to have her on, but she said no. Have on Jen Russo because Jen Russo is the one that's always running against Harvey Lewis. Yeah, and uh, she's like, talk to talk to Jen, which. Jen was a saint. I had a yeah. lot of technical difficulties because our internet was supposedly being disconnected from the neighborhood at the time. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, even her, like her story of coming from Poland and mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's very moving. Do you know who I really enjoyed getting to know and how kind they are? One of them is in your neck of the woods. Harvey Lewis is 
like I was so happy to see what Harvey did at Biggs and how Harvey changed the definition of what's possible at Biggs Backyard Ultra this year. And the God honest truth is, folks, Harvey Lewis is the kindest person you will ever meet. Like he is just so genuine, so kind, so giving. Like he is just he and his he and his fiance. I almost I almost said wife. I didn't want to jinx it. I know they're engaged. He and Kelly, his fiance, are just two of the most wonderful people that I've you've been able to cross paths with with this podcast. You know, I was like I was like God. How can you not love Harvey Lewis? I was doing the Mohican 100 this summer, and I don't know. It was on like the second or third lap. And Kelly was doing, I, th- I think she was going to do the 100, but she realized the training wasn't there. So she backed down to the marathon. Yeah. And Harvey was running it with her. Yeah. And I'm running up to them and Harvey's just yelling at me. He's like, go, Buck, go. And he's just, <laughs> I mean, just the nicest guy, as you mentioned. And just, I'm out there in the middle of the woods and he's just yelling and rooting me on. And I'm like, this guy, I mean, who knows what his limit is? I mean, he just mm-hmm. continues to lay down the hammer and his story is phenomenal as well. I would say that he's definitely if he does not make and and he will if he doesn't make top 10 for ultra runner of the year and he should be number one let's look at me great walmsley won utmb but he's won ultra Runner of the year but i i I would look at what what harvey did at, at, at biggs and i would say that 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 has had a bigger impact on the sport and will have a more lasting impact on the sport than an American winning UTMB. I mean, it's a great thing. It's awesome. And I'm so proud of him for doing that and representing our country. But for Harvey Lewis to be ultra runner of the year this year, I think it's a, it would be a great way to, to wrap up an interesting year in ultra running with everything going on with UTMB and all of that. And to -hmm. have somebody like Harvey Lewis, who truly is so genuinely kind and so wonderful and just, He's so giving of his time. Like he is, he, he, don't be afraid to go up to him at a race because he's not afraid to talk to you. Like he's happy to just be with people. And he he loves he loves the camaraderie and the spirit. Like nobody encapsulates the spirit of ultra marathon running better than Harvey Lewis and Courtney DeWalter. Those are two people that when you think of ultra running, the sport's in very good hands because they're both just everything you would want the sport to be. Yeah, and he's juggling all of this on top of teaching. I, I mean, know. <laughs> he's he's teaching. So it's not like he's moving to France to to train for a specific race. I mean, he right. is teaching yeah. 5 days a week unless he's running nonstop in Tennessee. Right. Exactly. He's not. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's absolutely amazing. But no, in, in in someone like you too, Andrew. I mean, you have a great story as well. I mean, like so many of us, you made a decision you saw your health. We all had that shock. It's that middle-aged shock, right? Where mm-hmm. we're like, yeah. you're like, I am just as strong, fast, and handsome as I was in high school. I don't need to work out. That's stupid. And then it always happens where you're like, wait a minute. Who is this fat guy? And why does the he metabolo- look a little bit like me? <laughs> the metabolism finally <laughs> slowed down. <laughs> It's the truth. It's the God honest truth. The metabolism slows down and it's like, now I've got to actually exercise where when you're you're a teenager, you can shovel as much food in your stomach as you want and you will not gain a pound. You'll probably lose a pound. If you're not putting down 5,000 calories a day, you're probably going to lose some, you're going to lose yeah. weight when you're a teenager, you know? One of the coolest things is there was a viewer, um, Cause I've done like the running world run streak where you run from Thanksgiving to new years. Yeah. And it was, I don't know. It was like probably the fourth or fifth year that I'd done it. And I just encouraged the viewers and I yeah. made a post saying, Hey, you don't have to run, just walk, get out there for at least one mile every single day. And there was a viewer that wrote in her name's Carol mm-hmm. and I won't reveal her last name, but she wrote in and there was a point before I did the call out And she sent me a message and she's like, this is probably the last message you're going to hear from me. She's like, I have heart failure. Oh God. I'm probably not going to be around. Yeah. And she survived. And so when I did the run streak, she said she started doing that, just going out and walking. She's like, I can't run. She's like, I'm way too old for that, but I've started walking and she's been continuously doing it. And she wrote in to tell me that her doctor told her that she's in the best health that he's ever seen her in. And she's doing phenomenal now. You know what? If nothing else, like 
I've seen you've you've won an Emmy. That's great. Sure, it's on the mantle right next to a buckle or something. It's tucked in a box in the basement. It's not even out. (laughs) But no, if nothing else, right? If you were to wrap it all up, wrap up your career next week, that is the best thing that anyone could ever say to you you know you get emails all the time like oh you're you wore that tie five times in a row this month i don't like that tie or your suit doesn't fit quite right but for someone to send that to you like you were able to inspire change in someone's life you saved someone's life with something as simple as encouraging your viewers to just be active like that's that's incredible you don't have to run 100 miles just get outside and just do something more than what you would have been doing that is so cool that must have been one of those things where it's just like dang dang well first at first i thought it was just a stretch but then as she messages me i mean she writes in every single day i mean and she'll even send me uh, messages not necessarily just comments on my facebook page or whatever for work and she'll just be like i know you're busy you don't have to write back but i'm like come on carol like yeah. I feel like we know each other well enough by now. Isn't that kind of interesting that you have a job where you are in people's lives? Like people see you every morning when they're getting ready for work. They are seeing you tell them what to wear to work every single day. You are a part of their lives, but you don't see them. You, you see a handful of them. You probably hear from a handful of them, but you are a part of so many people's lives just through the simple act of telling people what the weather's going to be like and to have that kind of impact is pretty amazing it is it's fun they the station came up with this promo campaign where it was called i trust buck yeah and before i mean you know if, if i'm at the grocery store someone might look at me and be like are you are you, are you buck? buck you're buck aren't yeah you? so i mean i was and i'm not the kind of person I've had other coworkers where they they will wear their station gear out if they're going to like the yeah. amusement park or something. Yeah. I'm not that kind of person. I'm there to have fun with my family. I'm right. not trying to look for any recognition outside of work at all. Yeah. I do my job and I think of myself as I'm just the your neighbor who's just going to tell you what the weather is. Right. Like I don't I don't put myself on a pedestal at all. But the station wanted to do this campaign and it was called just I Trust Buck. Mm-hmm. And so we shot a promo ginger z was part of it from good morning america they had her record something but the community bought into it because how often is there the jokes where you're paid to be wrong half the time or (laughs) must be nice just to throw the dart at the dartboard but the campaign brought ownership to the viewer Mm -hmm. saying that i can trust this person like i'm going to watch this person i can put my faith in them or whatever and and I still make jokes about it all the time. I was like, hey, I might be right only 50% of the time, but this is the 50% that I'm right. Like, this is what it's going to be like today. But out in the community, I get yelled, I trust Buck all the time. So very Midwestern. I mean, you're from Wisconsin, yeah. live in Tennessee now. Uh-huh. There is an all-horse parade in Delaware, Ohio. So I have done it, I don't know, three or four years. They asked me to do it, and I talked to my coworker or my my coworkers on the morning show, I was like, you guys got to come do this. You yeah. guys got to come do the I trust or the, the horse parade. Yeah. So we got like one I trust buck and they were like, oh my God. Like they were just, <laughs> just giving me the hardest time. So they were like, all right, every time someone says this, you, you owe us a quarter, a piece. So they ended up, I mean, it was just nonstop. And I go every year and it's just the most fun because <laughs> what the community does too. And again, this is very Midwestern. I'm going a little bit on a tangent. No, go ahead. But what they'll do is on the road, it's like a three, maybe four mile loop through town and it's all horses. There's mm-hmm. no um, gas powered vehicle at all, but they'll draw like a checkerboard on the road. Yeah. And then everyone sitting in front of the house puts money in and wherever the horse poops, if you picked <laughs> that square, you get paid. That's great. I mean, if that's not Midwestern, I don't know what is. Yeah, but anyways, I told my coworkers, I'm like, this is the most fun event every single year that I do. So ended up. I owe them at least $14 worth of drinks sometime <laughs> after work because we had we had surpassed at least 60 or so mentions of I trust Buck on the route. They were like, you need to run for mayor of this town. That's amazing. Boy, talk about something that actually works. Yeah. You know? I think it, it's the ownership because the viewers feel like they're part of it. Mm-hmm. And it's cool. I don't necessarily want that pressure i guess because if i ever blow a forecast then i'm really going to feel it well and here's the reality of your job right 
I I don't want to ruin this for anybody, but you don't have a time machine. Buck does not hop into his time machine and then go forward in the future, make some notes, and then come back and tell you. You are looking at charts. You are looking at conditions. You are looking at pressure systems and all of that. And based on the schooling that you've had in meteorology, you're able to look at those charts and you're able to say like, well, normally when this happens here when this pressure hits here or whatever this leads to this right or we know from history that normally in in our area at this time of the year we see these types of conditions well this could cause it to whatever right so you are you are guessing and it's so funny that people assume that your guesses based on observation need to be 100 percent correct all the time like yeah like how can you screw this up well because guess what mother nature does not bend to the will of men (laughs) it's true and we're in this interesting spot in the country too and you are too in tennessee Mm -hmm. that winter time it gets a lot more challenging because we know there's going to be a rain or snow event heading in our direction maybe ice and until that low pressure drops off the rockies and comes in our direction we only have 24 48 hours we know it's coming but it all comes down to the exact track of that Mm -hmm. point and i always tell people imagine it's like someone's throwing you a tennis ball over the top of the house and you need to catch it right you can't you don't know where that's exactly going to go until you see it come down off the roof and then you know where to adjust and get to so it's the same thing here but in winter time it's always very tricky here in the ohio valley tennessee valley because when those systems come off the rockies they could have a slightly different trajectory of what it was looking like so winter time i was kind of like hey be prepared this is a possibility but it's really not until about 24 hours out for us because they scream across the country fast that we really can't nail it down so winter time is always tricky especially because one inch of rain is equivalent to about 10 inches of snow based on different atmospheric conditions so people get so picky with winter snows and it seems like central ohio too they're not quite as forgiving. I think if you live in Cleveland or <laughs> South Bend, Buffalo, they're like, all right, wherever that snow band sets up, lake effect snow, right. they're a lot more forgiving and they understand it. But people in Central Ohio, they, they don't forgive too much with that. They want to know exactly what it's going to be seven days out. But well, and, and two, well, there's not that way. You think about your job is to make sure people have the information they need to not only go about their lives, but safely go about their lives right and so when you're dealing with something like uh you know a a severe thunderstorm that you're starting to all of a sudden you're looking and you're going oh wait a minute that's rotation or something like ice like freezing rain or something you, you have to err on the side of caution because the last thing you would want is to be on tv going hey we got a tornado moving through it. We got like some some rotation in the clouds. Don't be worried about it. It's just some rotation. 99 times out of 100, it turns into nothing. And then a tornado destroys a small town in your viewing area, right? right? And so you have to err on the side of caution. You have to say like, listen, there's a good chance we could get some freezing rain. It may not happen, but there's a good chance we could get it. Well, aren't you happy to be wrong in that situation and to said something and people are prepared then wait a minute you said it wasn't good freezing rain and now we got ice everywhere and there's car accidents all over columbus see they get mad that it didn't happen they want it to happen <laughs> kids want like what are you doing <laughs> kids kids pray desperately They're like lord i trust buck and i hope you trust buck too to drop a whole bunch of snow on Columbus because I do not want to go to school tomorrow. (laughs) I will say in the 15 years that I've been doing it, there has only been one instance where there were thunderstorms and I was not anticipating it. And they were nocturnal storms because I was out for a run, woke up at midnight Mm -hmm. to get my run done before I went into work. And as I was running around the neighborhood, I see lightning off in the distance. And I typically don't run with my phone, but there was one time I sketchy character in the neighborhood and I had to call it in. So I was like, I'm going to start running with my phone. So I stopped on the run and I looked up at the radar. I was like, son of a gun. There was one little thunderstorm. Pop up. Yeah. The person wrote in, basically the reason that it had happened is because at night there were two different converging air masses and when they come together, something's got to happen and mm-hmm. it goes up because it can't go down into the ground. So when you had that extra lift in the atmosphere, there was one little thunderstorm that popped up and I was like, well, there you go. I was wrong on that one. I did not call that one. <laughs> but isn't it And I owned up to it and I think maybe that was part of the thing too. Like, I'll at least own up to it if something goes wrong. You're like, listen, I don't want you to stop trusting Buck, but I totally missed this one. 
the one time out of my whole career that I missed this. But isn't it funny? Because I think that attitude translates a little bit into the running world, right? Where we train, we think we've got our nutrition dialed in, we think we're going to have you know the best conditions ever, and then things happen. You feel like garbage on race day, even though your training has been perfect and you've got all the miles in you, you should have and you felt good three days before, but now at the starting line, you feel like garbage and you can't keep anything down. And it's this thing of like, we're supposed to have things a certain way and we get bent out of shape when we don't have those things go our way. Mm-hmm. People like the, the routine. They like to know what to expect. And then when something gets thrown... I mean, just life in general, things are never going to go 100% your way, but you got to be able to roll with it. And I think ultra running is a great example of that, where things might be going smoothly and then all of a sudden, (laughs) nope, you got to find the woods. Do you think that your job, your profession, your, your adult life of just guessing at, at conditions, has it given you kind of an attitude with everything in life of just kind of taking things as they come and you really can't expect things too much it depends on if you ask me or ask my wife she would say no <laughs> um I, I think it does my dad went to purdue for agricultural meteorology so i grew up on a farm and i remember for me i remember when he first saw computer models when dial-up internet came out and it was like a kid on christmas and i was like oh what's he doing and he, he started showing me the forecast models and I think that it has allowed me to kind of understand there's a lot of possibilities. All we're given is the best and most likely scenario, but there will be certain instances where it's going to go askew. So I feel like I try to adopt the mentality of just roll with it. Yeah. Kind of like when you're on the trail, just take what the trail gives you. I mean, if it's, if it's sloppy, it's muddy, all you can do is just power through. And especially in races, I kind of feel that like if it's, nasty out i'm like let's go like i want to throw it down because for everyone else that thinks this is a hindrance i want to use it to my advantage i know what's coming and so i mean i had a 12-hour overnight run that i did this summer and i knew it was going to rain and the last couple loops i mean i just laid the hammer down running through mud or mud and just puddles that were six inches deep the whole time It it was a lot of fun but uh i try to roll with it as much as possible but just ability to adapt is always something that just in ultra running and just in life that i wish that more people could embrace that just roll with it like whatever you get just roll with it don't ask andrew's wife though because she'll say he's full of crap she's gonna be listening to this podcast patient but the ladies at the grocery store say the opposite when they get out their change purse and they're going to pay with change and quarters and pennies i'm like "Uh, i don't i mean i'm not going to hear to judge you i mean You probably have a credit card that you could tap, but whatever. Like, if you want to pay with pennies, go for it. Your wife's going to listen to this and go, he's so full of crap. Yeah, she won't listen to it. She doesn't even watch the forecast in the morning. Wait, she doesn't doesn't listen to your podcast or your forecasts? No. She will. um, There was one time where my daughter went to, like, it was like a zoo after hours thing. Like, they went to school and then went there. And she was not wearing anything that she should have. We had snow. We had, like, three or four inches of snow. And it was, like, 40 degrees that afternoon. So it was all slushy. And she's out there walking in these, like, just soft, like, sneakers. (laughs) And her feet are soaking wet, freezing cold. And I'm like, didn't you see the forecast and she's like no i didn't watch the forecast and she went to school for meteorology so anytime there's an instance where something's going to really throw a wrench in day-to-day plans i make sure to go out of my way to make sure she knows it's so funny because my wife i would think if anyone would not want to listen to me anymore it would be her but she's like, she'll say things. She'll go like, oh, that person you had on. And she doesn't know anybody. She's a casual runner. So she just runs with her friends and has fun. She's in a half marathon. And that's about as far as she wants to go. She's like, I'm a half marathoner. That's it. But she'll say things like, I really enjoyed that podcast with uh, Courtney. And I'm like, really? She goes, oh, yeah. I said, do you listen to my podcast? She goes, oh, yeah, I like listening to your podcast. I'm like, you don't have to. She's like, oh, I know, but I, I listen anyway. She probably needs to listen to when she has to make biscuits for some of the guests that you have on when they come to town. <laughs> Exactly. She's got to know. <laughs> we got to make some biscuits. Get give us some muffins. Get some pumpkin muffins when we have you. When you have you, Arlen's in town. coming. I got to make him something. Or Jim or John Kelly. 
Exactly. So I, I, she's on. She's she knows that if John Kelly's in the area, it's biscuit time. Um, <laughs> do you do you throw in when you're prepping to do a race and you're looking at you know race week and you're planning out your what am I going to bring to the race? What is my nutrition going to be? What is my pacing strategy? Do you also pull your own charts and look at the systems and everything in the area where you're going to be racing and kind of look at, like, I'm not going to trust the National Weather Service here. I'm going to do my own research on what the weather's going to be like on race day. Yeah, I mean, when I get in, I'll put together a spreadsheet where it has every different numerical forecast model. So there's probably... I put 10 different forecast models in the spreadsheet and it'll average out, take out the highest and lowest in case they're just kind of erroneous or they had too much to drink the night before. (laughs) And I take an average of all of those and compare it to our previous forecast. um, Like if I'm just doing high temperatures, for instance, and to see if it's only a degree, I typically won't change that because honestly, 72 is not going to be any different than 71. Right. But I, I mean, I spend, I go through and I look at every model that I possibly can and try to gauge what the trend is. If things are looking a little bit warmer this weekend than what they were initially looking, I'll make that adjustment. So I do go in and look in high detail for that. And there's been races too, like when I've run the the Mohican 100 this summer, I make like a race and it's a four loop course. Yeah. And so I'll make like a graphic and I'll use it on social media. Some I think I used it on air once and it says like loop one. Here's the conditions for loop one. Here's yeah. a listen. Yeah. Because there's going to be other runners locally that are running that race right. too because it's, right. it's only about an hour away. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll do that and then I'll have other friends reach out to me. Harvey Lewis, when he was getting ready to do uh, Barkley, yeah. he's reached out to me and asked, what the forecast was now he can't give me the the time or anything like that but he's like hey can you keep me apprised of what the forecast is looking like (laughs) let's say in frozen head over the next few weeks like he won't tell me the date but if he's running it and i don't know if i'm allowed to share that maybe i'm not allowed to share that but we're gonna find out larvy harris he'll ask (laughs) larvy harris he's just kind of like harvey lewis but he's just a little different he's the poor man's harvey lewis but that's cool that people have you found that you've been right or have seen seen something that someone else didn't see and then you get to race day and you were right and maybe the national weather service was wrong um yes and no i mean like for instance i was like there's like a 10 percent chance we're going to get rain from mohican and we had rain for like five minutes and i didn't get it because i was under the trees at that point but a lot of times if someone's just asking a race that's out of central ohio Mm -hmm. if it's uh, just other races in general i'll help them out and just typically i'll send them a link to the national weather service like hour by hour breakdown but i will also make sure before i send that that it looks like that's legitimate i was like if there's something that i see that's not going to agree with that so yeah i mean i I try to look to make sure that i'm not giving them bad information if people Um, or running like Boston or the New York City Marathon. I'll look at that kind of beforehand because I get asked by a lot of people, typically friends when we're just out like picking up my daughter from cheerleading practice or something. They're like, hey, what's the weather looking like for such and such race? I was like, well, I don't know. I haven't looked at it, but I'll look at it and message you. Yeah. You, you brought up something, and I think this is probably one of the most confusing stats about your job, and this is a perfect time to bring this up. What does it mean, really, when you say in Columbus, there is a 50% chance of rain. Does that mean that given the conditions, five days out of 10, it would rain? Or does it mean that 50% of the community will see rain? What does it actually mean when you say there's a 50% chance of rain? So there are a couple of different definitions and what we use on air for us is the same definition that the National Weather Service uses. So if you're giving a specific day part, let's say for specifically noon or on a seven day forecast, specifically Wednesday, what that means is that for that exact location, the confidence of that forecast and the the percentage chance of that happening. So if there's a 50% chance of it happening, but I'm 100% confident, then it would be that percent chance. Gotcha. Okay. So it's basically the confidence because there's sometimes where you're like, I'm not confident this is going to happen. And if you've been extremely dry and the models are showing you're going to get rain, it's like sometimes this comes in and it evaporates before it hits the ground. My confidence is going to be low that it's going to happen. 
a lot of people and this is with TikTok and social media things get I mean with my family members conspiracy theories are through the roof <laughs> I don't even bring them up when I get together with some of my family members but with TikTok there was the thing that was going around a couple of years ago where it's like it's the area that they're forecasting for and that does play into it because for Columbus and for Central Ohio, we have 24 different counties that right. we're forecasting for. So one part of the state could absolutely get rain, but the other part doesn't. So on instances like that, I'll typically notate, all right, 50%, it's all south. So right. I try to like break it down a little bit more. It's hard because we are forecasting for such a large area, but typically it's the confidence times the probability. You have a person who's been studying the atmosphere, studying weather for your entire life. Um, is i know this has nothing to do with running but maybe it does do you see evidence that states that the climate is changing yes and uh i have a separate podcast too weathering the run and i talked to other i just got done doing a mini series with meteorologists and it was very interesting because i had on a meteorologist who specializes in hurricanes and as my professor at when i went to ohio state and i asked him the same question and it was interesting to get feedback because he is so engrossed in hurricanes. I mean, I'll never be able to research as much as he has. Yeah. And he's like, there's typically a 20 to 30 year span where you get highs, where you get dips, and then it comes back up. He's like, technically we should be in a dip right now. He said, but look at the last few years. I mean, 2020, 2021, we had a record number of hurricanes, but we should be entering a law. And it all comes down to two things with hurricanes. You need really, uh, light winds in the upper part of the atmosphere so that way it doesn't shear off the top of the hurricane and you need really warm ocean water and right now our oceans and gulfs and seas are the warmest that they have ever been and because you can there's been arguments of well heat islands this you can't just measure right. the cities right. because the cities are getting bigger there's more yeah. infrastructure there's more pavement so that's why the cities are measuring higher temperatures and it is true that we are seeing that but sea surface temperatures i mean that's just out there in the middle of the ocean and those yeah. are getting way warmer so there is an aspect that depending on what you want to look at look at the carbon levels look at the sea surface temperatures look at the cities around the globe we are seeing an increase now as far as impacting running i mean it's it's a minuscule thing that's impacting us on a day-to-day -day basis it's only going up a fraction of a temperature yeah. every year decade or whatever but the impacts that it, that is going to have on the ice cores and just the long-term effects if things are not at least stabilized or trying to be fixed couldn't have long-term impacts well couldn't it affect running as well because we are seeing so much more extreme weather than than we used we used to is there potential for that to just kind of become the norm that you're you have to prepare yourself for extreme weather in for your for race day yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's been instances, I know where the farmers here, and farmers typically swing a lot more right, and they're typically climate change deniers. Yeah. But you talk to them, and especially here in Ohio, they are seeing like really bad drought conditions that last a, longer, a lot longer, or when they get the rain, it is a tremendous amount of rain, and their fields can't absorb it all, and it's typically washing away or flooding out some of their crops. So they are noticing that they're not getting just a small amount of rain every few days or so it's dry for a long time and then all of a sudden it just dumps buckets so it would impact day-to-day -day things like that so yes when you could get a rain uh for a storm or for a race i mean it could be a lot heavier than what it could be if things weren't quite as warm because the warmer the atmosphere warmer the the temperature is the more moisture that that air parcel can hold so when it gets hotter you can get a lot heavier rain when you're at thanksgiving with the family and your uncle's like yeah all that climate change is garbage and does your wife have to like step on your foot to keep you quiet because she doesn't want you starting a fight with uncle larry no i'm the one who typically pulls the pin on the grenade throws it in the room and then walks to the <laughs> walks outside or something actually uncle larry i studied this stuff at college and let me tell you some data <laughs> My, I get accused all the time of being very sarcastic from my siblings. And they were like, you need to tone it down next time. <laughs> but I have three brothers and uh, three brothers and a sister, and she's the youngest. But mm -hmm. we get in, two of them are engineers, and we get in just some really 
off the wall heated topics when we get together for Thanksgiving or the holidays, like field tiles, like drainage tiles in the fields. <laughs> there was an epic battle that we had between all of us. <laughs> Just whether the tile exploded underground and it, the water came up or the water seeped down into the tile. It, it was so heated. My wife was like, don't ever bring that up again. <laughs> That's and unless you're a farmer and you know what drainage tile is, you're probably like, what are you even talking about? I'll tell you what, as the grandson of a farmer, I've never seen someone so connected to the soil and to the earth and to the land around him than a farmer i i was just so in awe you know i can't even get grass to grow and he would just be able to look at soil and just touch it and go like okay we need nitrogen probably about 20 percent. like he would just be able to know everything soil needed just by looking at it or touching it and it was just i was always in awe of just his connection and farmers have that because i mean their livelihood depends on their ability to adapt and make sure that they can grow those crops and so they have to have a deep connection with not only the soil but the animals that they they livestock as well so yeah i've always been like god well how how did two generations pass and i've lost everything i can't even grow grass and here he was yeah. you know, growing corn it was like during the pandemic everyone's like oh you should be canning everything you can and it's like uh unless you were brought up and your mom or grandma did that on a regular basis you have no idea how to do that exactly but now we got youtube videos for that this is true <laughs> let's go back your job for a second one okay. of those things you have to do and i'm sure the first time you did this it was terrifying you have to get in front of a camera that is taking your image and putting it on thousands of television screens but you have to go in front of a map that is not there. You have to go in front of a green screen and move around on a map that is only there on the finished product because a computer adds it later. How Have you ever had any mishaps or how was that first time around pointing to that blank screen? Um, you know, I, I did it in college. Um, there was another meteorologist uh, student that I started a television station with them at Ohio State called Buckeye TV. They had like news already, yeah. but we they wanted to start doing weather. So we built the PowerPoint. And so I got a lot of practice in college, thankfully. Um, and then I got an internship, so I got a little practice there. But it is weird because when you're standing in front of the green screen, the camera that's shooting video of you mm -hmm. and also on the both right and left hand side right next to the green screen itself there are tv monitors and you can see the finished product there so i can see the map of ohio gotcha. as i'm doing as i'm pointing to something now a lot of our graphics are skewed so i stand on the right hand side of the screen mm -hmm. if i go to the other side i'm not quite as good but at this point i mean if i go to the right hand side of the screen i could pretty much point out things almost with a blindfold because I'm just so used to knowing where I need to be in relationship to the wall for a state of Ohio or the map of the country. But it, you do get very familiar and kind of used to it with all the repetitions. And I'm on the morning show and we have a, we start at 425 a.m. I start recording stuff at 345 a.m. Yeah. But from 425 to 9 a.m., I'm on every 10 minutes or so. So the repetitions are, you just keep doing it over and over and over and I try to mix it up I do a lot of different things I like to do a lot of lifestyle forecasts where I'm doing like um, I used to do a running forecast where I have shoes for different times of the day for yeah. like temperature humidity rain chance and then I just say like running impacts and I had a walker group reach out to me they were like why are you why are you discriminating against us walkers we're out here too just as much as you if not longer and I was like point taken I power hike a lot of races right so um, so I try to think in the mindset of like people that need to be outside growing up on a farm. I think the same way. Um, I've done some construction work when I was younger. So when there's rain and if you're pouring concrete, that is a huge impact where if it's somebody just running to the grocery store, not that big of a deal, but I try to think in the mindset of anybody that has to work and be outside, this is what you need to know. So as far as the green screen getting used to it I get a lot of repetition and I just try to do a lot of things to relate to the everyday viewer that needs to be outside because honestly if you're inside the weather outside really doesn't matter unless it's the severe weather that we were talking about exactly when you get to work and you start prepping your day and you start mapping out your forecast and getting your charts ready and you sit there and go like oh I can't wait to get off of work and go for a run today looks wonderful 
Uh, some days I do. Some days I do. And I I look forward to those days where I'm like, it's just going to be so nice today. That's what I'm trying to get my five-year-old to get him on a two, like get the training wheels off the bike. Because I know when that happens, he'll be able to ride a lot faster. But right now I'm kind of limited. I have done a few stroller runs, but I mean, he's getting, he's getting big. He's five years. He's not, <laughs> he's not two years old anymore in the stroller. So it's like pushing around between the stroller and him. It's like 60, 65 pounds. Um, but I do, I, there are times when I'm, I really look forward for nice days ahead. I'm remodeling a bathroom in our house right now. And I am very much looking forward to wrapping that up. Cause I told my wife, I'm like, I'm not going to run. I'm just going to focus on getting this done. Yeah. So it's going to be really nice. The middle of this week coming up. For November, I mean, I'm I'm looking really forward to some 60 degree sunny days ahead. <laughs> there was a time a couple of years ago when um, some meteorologists, well, some companies got in trouble for kind of, you know, it's the news, but, you know, news has become a for-profit entity years ago. It didn't start last year, but they tried to, in a way change the way weather forecasts were done and and i remember one famous uh, uh weatherman from from central illinois got fired because he refused to engage in a new trend that they were passing down from corporate saying i believe it was code red it's our code mm-hmm. red forecast and they had sounders go off and all that stuff and they were trying to get people's attention by making the weather sound more extreme than it actually was and I remember the great viral video of Joe Crane going like, this is stupid. I'm, I'm sorry, folks. I have to do this. And the next thing you know, he was fired. Have you had that pressure come down on you? Like, listen, we need to make this more exciting. Uh, and, and if you had to fight that battle of, wait a minute, if we make everything sound like an emergency, nothing's going to be an emergency. So we have alert days. Basically, if it is something that is going to be in a like a very big inconvenience to your day to day routine, we will have alert days that we'll typically have out. A lot of it's when we have the potential for severe weather just to Mm -hmm. try to get people a day or two in advance. So we don't have it's not called code red because I mean that I mean, (laughs) that was crazy. That's some (laughs) whose idea was that Mountain Dew. Right. Who is whose idea? Like who in the there's a handful of companies that own most television stations. But whose idea was it? Let's let's call every forecast we do code red because that does not sound ominous at all. And you have to think, too, the weather conditions, let's say in central Illinois, are going to be completely different than Florida. If Florida is getting three inches of snow, oh, my God. But if central (laughs) Illinois gets it, I mean, it's a typical winter day for them. So I think having a blanket rule for everyone is you can't do that. And that's why we've we've implemented the alert days. That's what we call them when and we've even tried to and I'm not the one who makes the call with that, but we've said we could have alert days and there could also be aware days, right? Just days when you're like, you know what? We're probably going to get rain for most of the day. Like if you need to run errands, don't do it on this day. Not going to be ideal. But alert days typically, or if we have a major snow event a few days out, we'll be like, hey, alert, just just know that this is not going to be a great day to get outside and do that. So we do use that in a small aspect, but it is not called Code Red for our station. <laughs> did, did you when that whole thing were you were you on TV when that whole thing was going down a couple I was, years ago? I was on TV. Yeah. Were you like, oh, my God, are, I'm thankful. I, I've, you had to felt bad for your fellow meteorologists that were like having to do this ridiculousness just for the sake of ratings. Yeah, and it's in I feel like too the different management from station to station not necessarily will fight back against that if yeah. that's what corporate wanted, but they will if you have a good manager they'll advocate for you and they'll be like, "You know what? Like maybe that's a little too aggressive of wording or there's something we can do better to just kind of portray the message that we're trying to get across but not also put fear in people i don't know whose nephew came up with code red but we're not doing that (laughs) in columbus we'll call it alert days if we need to and aware days if we need to but no send your you can we're going to send back the code red graphic with the alarm that goes off we're going to tell you it's sunny and 70 today i didn't know there was an alarm too (laughs) now you've got me sold oh man you're in you're in 100 percent. doesn't it kind of stink though in your job because one of the things you can't do that your that your compatriots can do the the anchors that are behind the desk they do not have to wear pants they can wear jeans they can wear shorts they can wear whatever they want you have to wear pants because you're standing up all the time 
do other people have a certain grudge against the sports guy, the anchors, because they can come to work in shorts and you've got to wear pants? Our station, you they show the pants for everybody. Oh. And we even do like commercial bumps where like certain times, like it's always like 4.38 in the morning where they'll show like a wide studio shot and you'll see the anchors pants and their dress shoes so they have to wear them at least at our station now i will say it's not often so when like the females they'll typically be wearing their uggs or their hoka slides or cloudies or whatever they're wearing but when they know that there's a shot where they need to have their shoes on they'll wear like their their heels or whatever but i always do a shot where i go running across the whole studio and i just basically sprint as fast as i can at the camera right before going to commercial and i try to give a high five and some of the nurses at one of the hospitals say that they always try to give a high five to the tv at the same time (laughs) when i run by that's so fantastic you could get away with wearing sensible shoes though you're the running meteorologist i I interviewed harvey lewis and both of us were wearing running shoes on air right Right. Which how, how cool is that? You can kind of sneak that in and go like, listen, guys, I can wear my Hocus today. Everybody knows I'm a right. runner. Yeah, I was like, I'm bad, I'm battling some really bad plantar fasciitis, <laughs> so don't judge me. I need these right now. <laughs> Do you ever? I was talking to a friend of mine. His his wife is a is a news reporter for a Nashville station, and one of the things we got to talking about once is first of all, folks, TV people do not make what you think they make. They maybe no. did in the 80s, but it is way, way different than it used to be. And how how much pressure there is, especially on women, to, like, we're going to pay you next to nothing and you better have 500 outfits to wear because for whatever reason, viewers are far harsher on on recycling outfits on women than they are you. You probably have five suits. You probably have, a, like, maybe five or six shirts a hand like 10 ties and you can wear that different combinations of that forever and no one will remember but i'm sure there's a gal on the news team there that she knows that if she's got a dress that has like a pattern or something she's gonna have to wait a good long time to wear that again or else she's gonna get emails people going like you just wore that yeah they we as males we get away with a lot more where we can kind of rotate through things and mix and match so that way i mean i have a lot of ties but yeah i mean suits i probably wear the same four or five suits i have a few i have more than that but wear the same ones on a regular basis so that way i'm not dry cleaning 20 of them all the time (laughs) but uh but yeah the the one thing that is nice and with technology now is like there's rent the runway where some of the female anchors or whatever they'll basically get five or six dresses on rotation i don't know exactly how it works but at least then they're getting a mix of stuff rather than just using what's in their closet all the time oh so there's like a share plan where you know they'll get five or six and they'll send those to someone else and those kind of rotate through no like you basically it's a company so you would get five or six dresses and then send them back and then they'll send you five more new ones with whatever size you yeah. are or whatever and so yeah they and let's be honest i mean a dress most dresses unless you're wearing a very tight one right most dresses you can wear it a little bit looser where i mean my suit i last week uh, i did a race what did i do i went down and i was pacing a buddy at cloud spitter i did the last 50 miles with them but yeah. when i came back on monday my body, I mean, you know, after you do a long race, yeah. your body's just inflamed a little bit. Right. And you're uh, like my, I was doing the weather. And while I was doing it, the button of my suit popped off. And I was like, I just ran 50 miles this week and I shouldn't have buttons popping off. But I think that it's uh, for the suits. I mean, it's some of the dresses too. I don't know. I'm kind of going off on a wild tangent, but I they do. If you gain or lose weight you can see it pretty quickly in a suit if yeah. the suit's fitting way too right. loose on you have you ever got an email from a, a messenger an email from a viewer that was kind of negative towards your appearance on tv i i get it more for the forecast like when there's a snow they're like where's the six inches like if you call for three to six inches they always remember six they never remember three they remember six so i'll get messages occasionally like that if you call for three to six and you got the six 30 miles away from them but just not where they live but i don't get it as much for appearance the females do though and it's it's really sad and it seems that it's more women that write in to the females than males yeah wow you would think that they would be like hey i i I 
I totally get it. <laughs> Some no, it's the theme. There's been, I mean, just based off of what I've heard from coworkers, it seems that it's it's a higher percentage of females writing into them, judging them for wearing something that looked like they just came from the bar or something like that. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't get them very often on my appearance. It's more forecast related. Wow. The crazy world you live in um andrew you can check out his podcast weathering the run if you live in columbus and you're watching any other tv channel but uh, abc6 what are you doing you have to if you if you live in central ohio you have to watch abc6 and check out andrew buck michael giving you your forecasts every morning the reliable trusty i trust buck forecast I'm going to save this and play it for my wife. Just that little soundbite. <laughs> just, yeah, just, just, just take the whole thing. He's like, honey, you don't have to listen to the full podcast. Just get this whole part right here. This has been so much fun. Andrew, thank you for talking about your running, kind of peer, uh, giving us a peek behind the curtain of what your professional uh, life is like. Because I think so many of us, we watch it every single day and we don't really quite understand the backside and just uh, a whole lot of fun talking about running and weather. This has been a great chat. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. It's been an honor for me to be on here. And I mean, uh, I'm excited to see who you have coming up. And uh, pleasure's been all mine, Ryan. Wow.